All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me, 100. very special edition of 100 Talk, where we celebrate what we just witnessed, which was like four or five insane kicks from Closer in one game. Yeah. Coming on the back of a, of a draft judgment <laughs> by me during VOD Squad. So shout out yep. JC101 for putting that video together. That was JC101, everything in that video. So what's he up? Does take, he does edits. He does, he does edits, apparently. He does, yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to awesome. get a lot of things named after him. I love that, yeah. Anytime anybody wants to make an edit, feel free. Free use, creative <laughs> comment. Yeah. Within reason. Within yeah, reason. No, this, this, this does meet the bar. So thanks, JT, for that. It's awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, welcome. Great weekend behind us now. Uh, great weekend coming up as well. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, we beat Team Liquid again. That's yep. a lot. That's what three in a row now that we've I'm beaten team liquid that. three series in a row that we beat team liquid. I think three of our last four, regardless in any case. And, uh, I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. I, I called it. I mean, I called it. I'm surprised that it was a five game series. Yeah. And I, I was feeling really good about my prediction of a three Oh clean sweep after that first game. We are like, Nearly a perfect game. It didn't look close. We gapped them really big. Um, they came back. They, they came back. back. That's the thing. I said it on when I did the VOD squad. It's like, of all the teams, Team yeah. Liquid is the team I will never be like, yeah, no, this is done. Except yeah. under certain circumstances, like Summer Finals last year, when it was just so apparent oh. that <laughs> it was like we were playing our little brothers in basketball or yeah. something. Every uh, game was over by five minutes. Yeah, you know, so was, the, the rest was formality. It was crazy. Usually, I will not be so uh, so eager to count count them out because yeah, it just seems like they always make it close. I think I predicted a three two, didn't I? Predict three one three, three two, three one. one. Okay, yeah. maybe three one. Yeah, I I just yeah. knew they'd put up a fight. Um, yeah. but it was a good fight. I think better than we expected. So we'll get yeah. into that. Um, a quick note, I will mention. Uh, shout out to the Academy squad who unfortunately has just been eliminated from um, from Proving Grounds by Team Liquid Academy, but they're still sick. They're still our boys. We still love them. Yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing more of all of them, I'm sure. It's just a question of when and where. Yeah. Well, Jordan is at camp again. In, you know it. In the vibiest uh, sunroom <laughs> available. <laughs> In the state of Minnesota, uh, I'm in Illinois. Oh, you're actually. in Illinois. That's right. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes, I've, I've taken a, a big road trip, and uh, yeah, I tried to several different, you know, porches and patios. This is the right one for this show. This was the one that I, I, I decided to go. You just knock doors. <laughs> looks like a nice place. You mind if I do a quick podcast? No, nah, no problem. Okay, here we are. You found some hundred thieves fans. Good for you. Yep, exactly. Not hard to find. <laughs> Well, uh, it was hard to find them in the crowd during the series. Oh, oh, so, yeah, that, that, that's a teaser for a later topic as well. But look, yeah. we've got um, 
a bunch of stuff to talk about with the series. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about with C9 coming up. And then we've got like so many listener takes. So we're going to try to not go too long, especially because we're starting late. But thanks for being here. We're going to do our best to condense this. But who knows? Underthe is really good. Got a lot to talk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, So starting with the series itself. The series we won. Um, I wanted to start off by talking about some of the draft looks that we saw and just, you know, any notes, any thoughts, any impressions. Um, (laughs) and I I don't usually, we don't usually read chat during, um, this podcast, but I will, since someone asked this, we're not going to be talking about the frosty thing here. You'll have to catch (laughs) me on a different stream. That situation kind of resolved itself, I think over the last few hours, but, uh, or discord, drop a discord there check yeah. for mail no problem yeah so check for mail uh, shout out but yeah not not gonna do it um right now anyway yeah. so draft looks for the tl series i think that was one of the things we were eager to see is like hey what are we actually gonna pull out now that it's right. playoff time and how much are we gonna show and are we gonna show anything that teams maybe won't think we've got in our playbook which at this point you know we we felt like by week eight we had shown so much that you had to account for in draft that teams were really going to struggle to prep us. But as yeah. we've discovered, we tend to be two or three weeks ahead of when people realize these things, just this split for whatever reason. Like, I don't know why, cause we are obviously idiots about league of legends, but what I guess we're just paying more attention. We're watching closely. So, yeah. <laughs> so here's some of the things we saw. So game one, uh, and they they did a really good job of talking about this on the broadcast, I thought, because they were pointing out, like, Jat's been talking all week, basically, about um, the different styles of our team's typical games, right? Team mm-hmm. Liquid has this, uh, you know, best early game in the league. I think he said it's one of the best ever for NA, uh, where they yeah. average something obscene, like being up, like, 2,000 gold at 10 minutes or something. That's, like, their average or whatever. And so, you know, they're, they're this really early game focus. And we, on the other hand, have a very average. In fact, I think it's like almost exactly average early game. Right. Uh, where our early game rating is like right at 50% or whatever. And then insane late game, right? Like late game that just pops off and adds an insane amount of likelihood that we'll win the game. The so team they, yeah, yeah, with the team fighting. So Jat, you know, set this up and Mark was talking about it as well. It's like, in this game one, we flipped the scripts, right? <laughs> like team liquid ended up uh, being the team that drafted what you could maybe think of as like a later game comp, yeah. right? With the, the Zeri Renata, the Silas, right? Um, whereas we were clearly focusing on a more early game comp with the Callista and Vi. Now we've talked about this. Callista, I've never fully bought into from FBI. <laughs> How you feeling now? I am fully bought in now. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, you've come around. <laughs> he looked very, very good on Callista, better than I've seen him look, and absolutely rolled the early game. Um, yeah. It it like it took a while to get going. It was like I think the break point was at like ten minutes or something when things started like getting out of hand. Right. Uh, so it wasn't like an immediate, like super early flip of the switch or whatever, but then it just became inevitable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And FBI looked insanely good on that. 
so I have to review my previous position on the cliffs and say, okay, it is yeah. now acceptable. It's now in the, <laughs> yes, we locked it in category yeah. instead of the, oh, I'm not so sure about this one category. Right. Right. I mean, for me with FBI, that's the thing. Um, the point I'm starting to reach. I don't know that there's a champion that I feel like we have missing from our ADC um, strap book, right? Like a lot of noise made this weekend about how Danny won't play Callista, right? Like just, it's or not like presumably. he has zero career. Presumably. Yeah. We don't have that confirmed, but presumably. Or like he has zero career games on it, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll play it, but he never has. Um, so, you know, they, they spent a lot of their, their bands on FBI. I think it was the Aphelios and uh, there was another one that was targeting him too, I think. Let me look um, at bands. They banned out Lucian yeah. Aphelios. Yeah, Lucian Aphelios. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like we've talked about this over time. There are certain players that you can try to ban out. And, and the, the weird thing about their strategy on this, and Jad has talked about this, I'm not going to cover any new ground, right? If you want to hear like the draft strategy stuff, please check out JLXP this week. He did a great job. But the thing that I don't get is, look, you can do those target bans when people have a trundle, for instance, that you don't want to see. Um, I don't think the FBI is that player. Like, I don't think he has a champ that you don't want to see. He can play basically everything. Um, and so and you that, don't. What that, you don't want to see is FBI. Yeah, exactly. Good luck because he is in the arena today, um, and he's going to bring some stuff. And I thought this was a great way for us to start it because Callista is one of those champs. He doesn't have as many. I'm not looking at the the total games played, but you know. It's definitely not our one of our most played champs in the bot lane, I'd say, and and they they got smacked by it, dude. It was it was a problem, so um, it, it it felt to me a little bit like they were they thought they had more than they did in the ban strategy against the FBI, and that's a good thing. That's they, a great thing for us that he's not one of those players that you can drastically reduce the effectiveness of by throwing a couple bans their way. Yeah. I, I don't have the uh, the ban the pick ban order uh, unfortunately because I, I just have Game of Legends right now, um, but I see they also banned out Amumu and um, Nautilus. So you know that's four out of five bans toss at the bottom. Yeah, you know, so you yep. can you can chalk that up as an FBI target as well, right? Because you're trying to limit his potential to take right. over the game. Unfortunately, that is a losing enterprise, as you've pointed out uh, <laughs> before. Now, and and again. Good thing he's been able to lock in and turn this thing on because he has looked very threatening. Um, yeah. Whereas that wasn't always the case for this year, right? Right. And right. and the Callista get, having the Callista pick be the thing to do it in game one of a huge series. That's exactly what you want to see. That's exactly how you want to start out. I felt at the end of that game, which uh, this was the only game I didn't stream on VOD Squad because I actually watched it while I was making dinner. But like at the end of that game, I was like, get off the rail. Like, yeah. get off. This is ours. <laughs> yeah. You don't belong here. Get off. Right. That that is the foot you want to start off on. Um yeah. there was one pick though that I'm gonna revisit my position on and and lock it in and validate it. Yeah. Even though uh in this game it looked okay, and that is closers Vi. Yeah. I think Vi is a trap pick. I think, I think it is a trap pick and it sometimes works, but when it works, it doesn't feel like it's because of the Vi. 
It's like the Vi is on the winning team, but the Vi is not creating the winning team. I'm not, I'm not, I was not, when we played it, it was like, okay, cool. He finished 00 and 9, which is, I think, pretty awesome because they were funneling all the kills basically into FBI and Abadaga. Cool. I'm awesome with that. Um, And it worked, but like there's just too often where you get trolled into pushing too far back into a team, right? And then just die. And and I thought we really got away with this one because of how dominant everything else was on the map. So, um, I think I I think I I may I hope I said it um, before game two started, but I just like I've always felt like Vi is a little bit of a trap pick in this meta. So I, I view it that way. Yeah. It's either going to go really like this is the stat line. This is the dream Vi stat line when you're running this comp, right? Like yeah. it made, it made ganks incredibly effective. There was basically no way to escape when he had the ult going and he, you know, we were able to kind of isolate somebody. So yeah, for picks, great. Got the job done. It is, it's, it's just a super feast or famine um, champ. Mm-hmm. Right, and it. I th- I think there's another game. It was like the the most deaths. Certainly, this was closer's most most deaths. The the buy game that comes later, um, and I think there's another jungler. I can't remember who it was exactly this weekend who had just a an atro- it was Spica, right? Like the dude had who? <laughs> sorry, it had sorry. He, he had an all time. I'm gonna pull up this stat line. We'll keep going, but it's that's what buy is for me. It's it's just like you're either gonna have a game that sets your team up, or you are going. Is he was o ten and five, dude? O ten and five. Speaker was wow. And closer wasn't that far behind. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. And but for me, it's what it really comes down to is when you can play Lee Sin the way closer can play Lee Sin, or any of these other carry champs, just doesn't feel needed. If there's a possibility of you dying nine to ten times on a champion, like. Your worst Lee Sin game, even if you if you become completely, you know, consumed by Lee Syndrome and take every cue under turret in a situation that you should never ever take, you're still not going to go zero and ten because you you know like they're just better than that. So yeah, that's for me the thing. It's like that yeah, the 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 lows are just so low. I don't want to see it really. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty convinced. It, I mean, I can see it playing a huge thing with this comp. Like this, this looked like a. 2022 version of the CLG bongo comp back when Finn was catching checks in North America <clears throat> where you have, you know, it's like you, you have this chain that you can do between four of your champions, right? Like you get Callista ult somebody in, you can charm with the Ari, you yeah. can ult with the Vi and you can, you can land chains with the Aatrox slash the little mini knockups from the Qs, right? It's basically like if you get someone in there, they're not getting out. So yeah. I can see the role it plays in it. I'm just, for sure, for sure. I'm kind of with you. It's like, I, I don't think we need it. And it's a roll of the dice where we don't need to be flipping or rolling the dice. Yep. Um, so when it comes to our recurring segment, should we play this, right? Closer by, should we play this? I'm going to say no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's just yeah. avoid it. Let's just I avoid understand it. it's very meta. I think there are other things we could be playing instead. Yeah. Yeah. So Jordan, let me do this then. Should we play this? Send a Seraphine. Yes. That is the easiest. Yes. (laughs) 
ever. And and that's exactly what we did in game two. So let's talk about game two. Yeah. Team uh, Liquid forgot that we had this pick, I think. Which is kind of funny because yeah. they've seen it recently. Yeah, we used it to great effect. I love Emily's segment afterwards of just <laughs> yeah. what what's different about these two gold graphs? It's like ten days. I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was very, very convenient. They forgot about that look. Uh, but we brought it back. It was effective. Yeah, it was extremely effective. Now, that was another that was another thing where it's just like comp automatically wins. I, I, it feels like it doesn't matter who else we're playing, but we happen to have Wukong also for closer. Yeah. And someday we're going to, guys, we are going to talk about someday Aatrox, just not at this moment. Um, but we, we have like, I don't know, this is basically like dream setup for us. Now they have some interesting stuff, right? Like they have Bwipo on Olaf. Um, they oh. have Core JJ on Yumi, right? You got the Zeri Yumi. But we have Sena Seraphine. It, it is, it's got to be the most OP combination of champions right now. Yeah, it's, it's way up there. We forgot to talk about the Urgot pick from game one. Um, oh, which the Mr. Water News? <laughs> meant to be kind of like the, we're coming for, you know, we're going to play against someday in the top lane. It's like, nah, that's not it. That's oh, not five it. and oh, Urgot from yeah. Wipo. He brings it back and it works better. But that one, you know, I mean, honestly, credit to Wipo for, for having the courage to bring it back in game three. Um, but boy, that that started off pretty flat. That pocket pick didn't work. No, it looked like doo doo. Did um, <laughs> and in game two, like I don't know, like we again, it seems like an inevitability with that comp. Like, hey, the game will yeah. be won, and it's a matter right. of how long. And in this case, it was twenty five minutes, um, which is not very long. That's game not long too long for Senesarvi to take it over. And you were yeah. you were talking about the gold graph from Emily, so. You know, Team Liquid is enjoying a nice, like, almost 2K gold lead. And then the 15 minutes, it just, like, I don't know. It looks like Bitcoin, like, <laughs> two months ago or whenever it was, three months ago. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just it just falls off a cliff. Um, and they, they were even getting the gold in the right places. Like, yeah. Olaf was getting really strong. And he was very, very problematic for us. And then eventually, it just didn't matter. Uh, he, he basically became the the Seraphine Charm relay device. Where it's like, <laughs> what are those? What are like the, the Wi-Fi extender. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. The Wi-Fi extender, <laughs> Whippo with the Wi-Fi extender. <laughs> Seraphine Charm. He just passed it on to everybody who was standing beside. I mean, it's really, every once in a while you see a champion picked up, you're like, that is such a brilliant counter. And uh, oh, another interaction is the um, the zillion with the Renata gloss. Oh, like, yeah. How all you have to do to trigger the the revive from zillion is Just like wait. put it on the zombie. Yeah, put it on the bailout. Okay, easiest revive. Yeah. So so this was one where it felt like oh nice he's gonna pass along to everybody else on his team. Uh, and there were so many fights that we won where <laughs> it's like he he arrived at the kind of the front line. And everybody behind him was just being massacred. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's nobody there to finish the deal for him, you know? So yeah, that, that was a really strong response from us, I think to that, 
that comp they picked up. Yeah. I hardly noticed Santorin in this game, I felt like, but his, like his stat line was actually more impressive than I thought because he finished 3-4-3. Three, and three. Um, yeah. But I felt like Xin Zhao, I did not care that Xin Zhao was in this game. Um, of course, the Zeri from Hansama, 0-4-4. Oh, four four. Uh, you have Zeri, Yumi, and you don't get a single kill. Like, I'm yes. sorry, that went very poorly for you. It's just an automatic win. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get to play Santa Seraphine again. Yeah, I mean, which presents it, it it recreates this problem for everybody else who's going to play against for C9, which is, I mean, you can ban one of those two, right, and knock that out, but then you're going to leave a lot of other things open that you, you don't want to be leaving open either, right? Like, there's no good answer for this. Um, I suppose you, if you have to ban one of those two, you probably ban Senna because we can flex it in more places. Well, I think we saw Seraphine with the different support pair. Um, yeah. Not in this series, but in a different series this weekend. And, I, we, and we've seen it mid, too, right? Like, hasn't Ava played it in the last little bit? <clears throat> I don't think people are really playing it mid now, though. Yes, they did earlier. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. This is not the kind of stuff that I'm very knowledgeable on. Right? Yeah. Um, the point is, you can't let us play it. I think yeah. it's established that we're going to win if you let us play it. Right. So just don't, right? <laughs> but we've been in places where Team Liquid has a very obvious ban they can use against us, and they just refuse to do it. So, any, any sorry, Alfari. <laughs> also, sorry, Game 5, right? Yeah. Like, this, this is a recurring theme. I can't remember when I brought this up, Cole, but I did say at one point, I think we're going to... I don't think it was this series. I said, I think we're going to beat CL in this series because I am not confident that they'll remember who to ban against us. Like they're going to do something <laughs> goofy and make a big mistake when it comes time to ban the right champions. And I, I kind of feel like that happened again. So, you know, I'll a couple to, times I'll stick to that because I think it continues to play out. And, you know, in part it's probably because our team is hard to, to ban effectively against. There's a lot of good champs we can play. Yeah. But this is add this one to the list, I guess is the, the takeaway. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just feel like we're not going to see that again. Um, which is unfortunate because it's a guaranteed win, but it's fortunate because then, like you said, we're using up a ban on something, yeah. so we free somebody else up. Hopefully that is the case. Um, what we did see in Game 3 is, predictably, Team Liquid threw the Hail Mary, right? Like, yep. when you're facing elimination, you put Bjergsen on Zillion. <laughs> and, like, I hate that it's true. Not, I think. Yeah. yeah, against us especially, but it, it it does suck that it's true, but it's true, and there's no way around it. Jat pointed it out pretty well, where he's like, I think, or actually, I think maybe Mark was the one who actually said this piece of the conversation, but it was like, you know, you don't play against Zillion very often, and so sometimes you just forget about how it transforms, like, the landscape, quite literally, right? Like, we saw Abadaga twice, like, dash into bombs, you know, yeah. he's used to having his free movement and then he like dashed into bombs that stunned him. It was, it was basically a single pick that ruined everything. Now I know Bwipo had a really, really good game on the Urgot, as you said, yeah. bringing it back after, um, after the Mr. Water News 0 and 5 in game <laughs> one. He, he, it was much better. He, he got those like flash fears from the ults, you yeah. know, like all, he, he was getting those off. Good for him, man. But, Honestly, it was it, Bjergsen was the reason. Yeah. Those stupid revives, 
like they have stopwatch and revive combos. So you're like, you have to kill basically like eight people <laughs> in a team fight to win it. And here's the thing that I think is getting lost in the conversation. We almost still did. Yeah. Go back and watch those fights. Almost <laughs> every single one was like, we were so insanely close to still winning the fight. And furthermore, for most of those fights, if we would have won them, it was like actually like game changing, like probably win the game. If we win like one of any of those like last four fights. Yeah. And every time, even the last one, we like almost got the job done. Like someone would be so close. Like I think Han Sama, he, we like oh. landed a combo on him and he got like burst down to like 10 HP and he got out. Yeah. Yep, you know what I mean? 10 HP. Yeah, it's just like, okay, you know, (laughs) we're, we're just an inch away from getting it done. It was, it was so insanely close that this game, this game was a hair away from being a win for us in a three Oh sweep. Yeah. Don't want people to forget that. Now it, it was a bad game for some of the picks that we're not used to seeing be bad. Like for instance, closer on the poppy, We've been very big on the Poppy pick. Poppy yep. got nerfed like down the stretch, I think, in the regular season. And so it was like not quite as strong, but I still liked it. Closer went one, seven, and six on the Poppy. And despite, I think he's, did he get first blood? I think he set up like a cool gank in middle where he got yeah, first I blood. Right. I think I'm remembering that right. Like there was one like really nice play. And then the rest, it was just like, yep, don't, don't quite have enough, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I do think that the team was not quite as snappy and on the same page um, during games three and game four. So there's that too. But uh, I, I was so I was surprised to see the poppy not work. Very surprised to see the Lucian Nami not work. I think people yeah. have been trending down with their opinion of this pick. We have been the only team, I think, in NA who has consistently held this up as like, yeah, no, we know how to do this lane. We yeah. we've looked good on it for over a year, basically. Um, right. And again, just got nothing like no kills, nothing Hansama, on the other hand popped off. Right. So I don't know. It was a weird, weird game. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. Um, but Lushinami takes the L and Bjergsen Hail Mary is complete. And it's just yeah. like, there's not much more to it than that. You know? Uh, yeah. I feel like we we missed a lot of skill shots in this one that I think would have. You talked about how close a lot of these fights came down to. You know, you hit those. Both the the uh, the re charms. You know, like this was not. We now have the master class re game from Abadaga that we can look at and and see when he's getting the resets, when he's hitting every charm, when he's, you know, using the full mobility of the kit to to just completely pick teams apart. Like, and for the reasons you've talked about, right. The 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 rift was turned into a minefield. Basically, it's it's kind of a nightmare. I think he caught a couple just walking, so it wasn't <laughs> even like he was using his R every time. And he just oh, you know, no way you could have avoided that because your dash length is so far, and he put one behind you, or whatever. Um, but it it just it this game felt very much like we just weren't as snappy. I think you said, and that's a good word for it. Like the a couple poppy ults where it's like oh, just off to the side, and it would have ejected somebody who we really didn't want to have in that fight. From I, th- fight. I think Hansama spell shielded one. It's really embarrassing. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing happened. So I think it was both 
um, both the 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 Bjergsen, like that dude. You know, Jensen played Zillion really well too. So yeah, he did. It doesn't hurt to have it. Um, but it was definitely Bjergsen doing Bjergsen things against us specifically, as he's not. I'm just glad they didn't do the Scion too. Do we ban Scion this game? We probably did. Um, but that is horrible. We did not. Can you imagine Scion with the Zillion and the Renata? Like that's that it's, should just... Scion Zillion is like the most ridiculous combo. It's so frustrating. I hate it so much. Um, and you know, Blipo would be happy to play. <laughs> You, you go for that. Um, so yeah, I think it was those things. That, that's what I took away from it. This is Team Liquid showing adaptability and just like the immense talent they have on that team, and us being less than perfect, yeah. right? And enough to lose you a game. Yeah, best of five. Yeah, and you're right. They've got they've got certain picks that have like uh, bonuses associated with the players that are playing them, right? So you talked about For the sure. Zillion. We talked about the Bwipo Urgot, right? Which is very good the second time around. Uh, we would have to talk about the Bwipo set in game four. Yeah. Uh, talk about knowing a champ's limits. <laughs> that guy knows exactly what he's doing on it. Gosh, yo. That, that pick was... I don't know. Like, I don't know if we didn't see it come. It, it felt like we didn't see that pick coming. Yeah. Uh, he pop. Who was it that he popped off against? Was it C nine that he played? He played mm, the regular. set against, or maybe, maybe it was EG or something. Like one of the games during the regular season, he played set, and it was very strong. And we got that exact performance here. The Bjergsen yeah. Swain was. I the Swain oh. ult needs to be reverted back to like <laughs> hey it doesn't last forever and ever and ever four seconds you get four it's a long time four seconds that's plenty D- make like, it six even all right i'll give 15, you six but yeah eight and a half minutes the you know, entire fight <laughs> the yeah right the entire mid game yeah <laughs> right yeah that i mean look i i, I gotta say TL feels like a very good team. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we almost swept them is crazy, one. But like you have to account for, similar to what we talked about with us, you have to account for a lot when you're playing as TL. You have Bwipo, who can do crazy stuff and who will take picks to punish you if you are just being safe, right? Like he's going to mm-hmm. play for that, maybe not as much as like a fudge, um, but he'll go for it. And then you, but like, I think Bjergsen is just so good on some of these champs that you can never really sleep on the possibility of him taking a pick and taking over the game. Yeah, And he's done that to us throughout the entire history of this rivalry, Mm -hmm. which has been one of the things that makes it super fun to watch um, and frustrating. But that's, I think that for me feels like one of the strengths that TL has that no one else really has. Like they have some pretty legendary players, um, and they can flex that, dude. And they did. And game four was a great example of that. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention it's because it's like, look, I don't know. Look at the gold graph here, uh, which I know you can't actually do, but we basically held a gold lead <laughs> until, let's see, it looks like 21 minutes is when we finally lost the gold lead against this comp. And, and this is the game where we took like six fights back to back to back to back to back to back, right? Like, yeah, it became a so. in the game, and then we just took another fight, and we took a four v five, and then we took like a, you know, like I think this is the game we just threw everything at it, and and we still somehow held the gold lead while their players are 
you know, getting insanely fed. I mean, you look at the the final um, kill score here was 24 to 8, right? Like, not yep. close on the kill score. Yet, we held a gold lead for 20 minutes. They did have the Seraphine, which you talked about the scaling there. Like, they, they definitely had, like, a good scaling comp. But I think, like, the thing that made the difference was the Nocturne pick. Because, like, look, th- think about what we're saying. You've got incredible talents who have like premiums when they play certain champions, like more yep. so than, you know, more so than most players in the LCS, right? Like Bjergsen on X is a thing. Right. Right. right? right. That like, even like, like Takui on the same champion, it doesn't really matter, right? But Bjergsen yep. on the champ, he has a bonus. Uh, Buipo set has a bonus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Sandhorn's Nocturne was so problematic because it, made someday's orn really useless in the team fights. Someday yeah. had to guess every time when he was going to like where he was going to put the forge cop, yeah. right? If you notice, I mean, I, I would need to watch it back, but it's like thinking about it now. I don't think I can think of maybe like more than one time that Santorin seemed to offensively use the ult, right? It was basically like you hear the, the horn go off, yeah. you turn the lights off. And and yep. it was super effective. Like someday could have lined up like four people on one of these ults that was around Dragon Pit. Yeah. But he did, yeah. actually I think that might have been Baron Pit, a pit, some kind of pit. Yeah. Um. One or the other. And or didn't both. get a chance, right? Because he can't see, so he's guessing. And yeah. I think that yeah, actually one. made a drastic <laughs> difference because again, fights for a lot of the time were surprisingly close. It wasn't like yeah. game three. But it's it's almost like, yeah, if we have that little extra bit of something, we might have been able to do it. And Vi wasn't that extra little bit of something though. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah. That's it. That's a that's not a play from behind champ. You don't want to have Vi kind of I mean it's like again, contrasted to the Lee Sin. I get it's not fair, closer Lee Sin's different. But the the way that in you could run some of these same fights and it felt like he could just pick the exact moment that he wanted to do exactly what he was going to do. And in a lot of these Vi fights, it felt like he's just going to press R at some point. They all know what to do. You know, it's like, it's almost like the, the slow motion version of a, of an insect where it's like, you know, you get the, you see the line, Hey, here's where she's going. (laughs) You know, uh, be, get ready. She's coming. Not super fast. But she'll be here soon, you know, and then that all falls apart from there. So, yeah, but I, I can't think specifically of a fight around Dragon where uh, someday hits the horn, and then he he literally hits it because he's predicting. This is all predictive work yeah. from someday. In between, there's one person on the bottom side of it, and I think three people on the top side of it, right? And you can imagine a, a, a fight where he actually sees what he's aiming at, and that's a three person knockup, and probably our fight. It might have been four too, with the way that they, they were might- lined up. Yeah, it might have been four and one. I mean, look, it's better than Solo did with the lights on. <laughs> one more thing I want to point out about this: uh, the Zeri Lulu. The Just what did you say? He's still in the playoffs. <laughs> Solo's still in playoffs. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Cool. Uh, <laughs> the Zeri and Lulu lane. I don't yeah. think we should write it off. Because no. it didn't work here. We agree on that, right? It's like, yeah, I still we, will want to see the Zeri-Lulu combo from us. Although, Bring it on. 
similarly, I don't think I would put FBI in the same Zeri class as like a berserker. No, right? he's yeah, he's obviously not. Berserker is his own class of Zeri. Yes, he is. So they're they're in the same way that Bjergsen has his champs. I think some people have Zeri as their champ. It's not where FBI is yet. Not to say that he couldn't get there, um, or that he needs to be there to be viable yeah. in this meta. Um, but I'm with you. I, I hope that we continue to run that one. Yeah. Okay. So coming off of a great draft diff performance, you know, kudos to the TL coaching staff for putting together, just they're solving the draft in game four. Yeah. If we go to game five, team liquid, you idiots, you <laughs> gave us lease in. How but many how times am I going to say it? That in a, in a pivotal game, that would be an effective pick. For yeah, it's, it's just, there's no there's way no for Team Liquid to know that. There's no data on it. There's no montages. Right. There's no. no, you know, series clinching plays. No. There's no reputation there on that champ at all. They and and so so someone said in chat they dared closer take it. It did feel like they wanted that to be drafted. Just I don't crazy. know. It was just like just like Viego, man. <laughs> are you guys not watching your own games? <laughs> I have to ask at some point, are you not watching your own games? Uh they it, missed it. They it, missed the game. It's I think they like LS themselves here, where there's like, yeah. oh, but you know. It's not really the perfect meta champion, so let's trap him into playing it, and then he it will be his very doom. <laughs> yeah. it's like, bro, it's closer on yeah. Lee Sin. Did you forget? Yes, did. you did. They did forget. They didn't forget for that long though, because the <laughs> kick started coming. You think that at one point they they just like looked at each other and like, wait a minute, is this that guy? <laughs> is he the one who does this? <laughs> Not to make a traditional sports analogy like I always do, but there's that one series, I think it was 2018, LeBron against Toronto. Four-game sweep. When Toronto's like the one seed and supposed to be like, this yeah. is their shot. Right. And LeBron like is putting up like circus shots to win games at the buzzer, right? Like he's like... <laughs> He is toying with these people. LeBron in the one series, he put like a highlight reel together that like any NBA player ever would be proud to have as their career highlight tape. Right. <laughs> this is what this game was for closer. Four or five just just crazy kicks, game-changing kicks in the yeah. same game, in one game. It's like... Okay, like if he makes you pay once for it, it's like, oh, fool me once, you know. But like, yeah. four or five times, man. It was a it was a pretty close game. Like that was the difference. This game was decided by closers' actions. You know, you could like some of these games. Well, actually, it feels like more often than not, when he's on the lease sin, he's deciding games because he gets a a key pick at a at the moment it's needed. It's like it's got to be like the most famous calm from like the whole year is shut up and let me do it, right? <laughs> it's it's the it's the reasons Ben had to roll swap, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like 
Like you, you guys knew about this, right? You guys saw him do it. So yeah. he's like, wait, if, coach, you tell me that if I play support, he's not going to kick me. <laughs> he's not, he's not going for, he doesn't care about you. So, okay. so, so Han Sama now <laughs> wait, is probably, I want to fast forward to this week. If closer gets an insect on Ben as support. And- <laughs> <laughs> do you think, he thinks Ben just hangs it out. He's just like, nah. yeah, maybe I'll try top lane. He won't insect the front line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too good. Uh, well, <laughs> the point is, oh man, we had a game. We had a game-breaking pick, right? Uh, because we have a game-breaking player. Uh, I'm so happy that he gets to do that yeah. on a weekend when inspired is homesick or something. (laughs) He said, he said, inspired is the best jungle in NA. Okay. Yeah. Let me single handedly win a game in, in a game five against like team liquid, right? Like, Oh my God. He's just so good. You idiots. You gave us Leeson. Please rewind a year in our catalog and you will see you idiots. You gave us Viego. Yeah. All right. What it'll be yeah. what will it be next year? We'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. You idiots, yeah. you didn't buy out closer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um what else in game five? Hey, I I was kind of surprised that they didn't set up another um zillion comp. Yeah. For for Bergson. I mean, and maybe I, I I'm not smart enough to know if that comp is like kind of telegraphed, it doesn't look so like, you know, the, the comp they played, comp. they played Urgot, Vi, Zillion, um, Pizza Girl, Siver, and Leona. It's like, it doesn't look like a particularly telegraphed comp. But, so it's like, I'm surprised they didn't go for that again. I mean, it clearly yeah. worked well. So do you think, um, do you, well, they had an MF for the, um, yeah, I guess that was the But but I think the the difference in this one was that Azir was left open. Um I might be missing something else. But I think I remember hearing at the time they're like Azir's been unavailable and now it's his. So it felt like maybe they thought they were leaning into an even more powerful like you can be very supportive and take over the game with a zillion. You can just completely shred a team with the Azir. So yeah. Maybe this was their thought, like, hey, we're going to get Bjergsen on an even stronger pick. And, and, you know, yes. And I, like, I would always be happy to see Azir locked in for my team. Um, and the MF did very well, right? Yeah. Like, the MF was very problematic. The bullet times, the ease, right? They were yeah. very problematic. Much more it, it so looked like they are going to take that over fully for a while. Yeah. yeah. Whippo was, again, like, kind of invisible in this game. Santorin was kind of invisible in this game. It was basically... Azir and MF <clears throat> and oh, oh gosh, let me rewind. Cause I forgot to make this point and strange flash remind me in chat. He's pointing out that shot that they have of Reaper and closer during draft before they lock in Lee sin. I don't know yeah. if you got to see this Jordan or if you skip through draft, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like pounding him on the chest and closers like kind of laughing and smiling and everything <laughs> during VOD squad. I was like, Oh, Oh, this game's one. Like, this game's won. As soon as I saw that, that's what convinced me that we we're going to win this game no matter what. I had this conviction 
the entire game. I was like, yep, we won it. We won it. When I see closer that loose going into yeah. a game five and then he gets right. his pick, I just knew that from that moment on that that game was ours. How awesome is it to have a staff that can have that kind of relationship and have that presence of mind to create right. an atmosphere like that for your star player in like the most pressured moment. Right. 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 Well, and then, you know, to top, to, to amplify that, he said, and this is, I think maybe even said it in an interview or something, but like he hasn't played a, a, a lease in game in three months, you know? Yeah. So it's like full confidence, full confidence. There's never a moment where they're like, I don't know if we really want to ask him to do it. <laughs> you know, the the pick came up and it was there. It was locked in. It was right. Mm. It was amazing. Um, don't give us lease in. Don't give no. us lease in. Um, the, the the I don't think this is new. I'm sure he's done this before, but I just love the fact that in the last one, the Han Samo over the the wall at, in River. Yeah. He, uh, it wasn't the last one, but the that one at the, the yeah. fight. He he took the cue in. I think it was from Core. I think he hit Core with the cue, took it in to Core's location, and then maybe even a ward hop to get over to Han. And then you know, like yeah, he just it was such a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Like still, uh, maybe all the better by the fact that it's got to be one of the highest skill plays you can do. In, mm-hmm. Legends, like there's so much going on, it's just nutty. He continues to find new ways to, sh- to shred teams and take pick them apart, man. Yeah, awesome. So, again, we're talking about picks that have a premium with the player who plays them. Hello, yes. <laughs> go. we've got That's... those two, right? Yeah, we do. Um, we do, and and then we we're somebody... huh? Are we gonna talk about some of the HRX? Oh, yeah, we will. Enough... So we'll talk about it separately. Um okay. But it's like th- we, all of this talk, and we didn't mention that again, we locked in Seneserfine. So they also gave us our auto win on Seneserfine. Right. Now, so that's why it's like, well, the MF Leona is this probably counter for that or something in some way. Who knows? I'm not smart. But like, so we got what we wanted in this draft, and Team Liquid just kind of blanked. So I'm happy about that because, and it was still very close. It wasn't like it was an auto win for us, right? Like we, we had to legit fight it out. Closer had to be heroic four or five times. Thankfully yeah. he can be heroic four or five times. So that puts us in this place where it's like, we looked like we had this uber close series with team liquid and the community sentiment around that is really weird, right? Because Team Liquid has not been playing well this split for the most part, at least by the standard of what's expected of them with their X million dollar roster. Um, yep. And so I already saw people kind of like trying to be like, well, like Under Thieves had to take five games to beat Team Liquid and Team Liquid isn't really even good. I don't know. They look pretty good in the in this series. I agree. They, they kind of inted away game five with the draft. Yep. They look and and the Leona and MF was still really good. I don't know. They, they looked pretty good. They definitely looked better than they have. And, and much has been said about the veterans, right? It's like, they've got the, these veteran players with all this experience. Yep. It's so weird that they're not playing well. Well, 
veterans will shine in playoffs, right? Like yeah. that's when you will shine. And so right. it makes sense that they are wrapping that up. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said wrapping. I meant ramping that up. Um, then you have on the other side teams that are not looking quite as good and yeah. it's being perceived in the opposite way. I just don't know what to do with this. I just don't know. Matter of fact, <laughs> let's just hold it. Let's come back okay. to this. Come back. I, I, I forgot. I have some more things to say about this series against Team Liquid. <sighs> I'm just getting ahead of myself because I'm so like, it's been a frustrating year for dealing with dealing with the desk yeah. slash other podcasts and like the perception of the team. So I'm just gravitating towards those naturally. So let's reverse. Let's reverse a little bit. Okay. We talked about Team Liquid's strong early game. We talked about how it was mostly even or in our favor um, through the series. They had, I think, <clears throat> they there was was a game three where I think they had a, or maybe game two, they had an early game lead on us. And then game five. So it's like it wasn't like uh, solid across the board. You know, we beat them in the early game, but certainly we did better against what the spread would have been, <laughs> you know, for right. that. Um, and also it's like, you can kind of make a case that we're, since we're drafting scaling in a couple of those games, like it kind of makes sense, um, that we don't have the best early game look. I think our team is looking pretty reasonably good for early game going into next week. That's awesome. The crowd team liquid crowd. Mm. I have never wanted to slap a crowd more. And that's how you know we're in rivalry mode because they're not doing anything wrong. They were loud. They had a lot of people there. They were loud. They were cheering for their team. Nothing wrong with that, but didn't you want to like slap them? Yeah. I wanted to be there so bad so I could trash talk them and be (laughs) louder than them at every turn. Like I yep. was, my blood was boiling listening to the crowd, man. <laughs> and, and that's how I know that this is the rivalry We we asked like, who's the rival, right? Is it maybe C9 because you know, we've gone back and forth. No, it is team liquid. It yeah. is team liquid. And we had our moment because all series long, the crowd went off, popping off for team liquid. Good for them. They're really loud. We had the same kind of experience against EG right yep. in the finals during spring. Yep. Where it's like, okay, everyone just suddenly decided EG's the best thing ever invented. We're all yep. going to be fake fans and bandwagoners. Yep. But then, game five, we get, after I think the third closer insect that wins a team fight, we get the Let's Go Thieves chance for the first time. <laughs> Those, whatever hundred Thieves fans were there, were not doing their dang job. They were not doing their dang job. If you were at LCS studio and you're rooting for hundred of these, you were not doing your dang job. Do your dang job. But <laughs> that being said, we finally got the cheer at the end for let's go thieves after he did that, which by the way, we need, we definitely need some new chance. You and yeah. I tried to like do a couple order there and we just, people Damn. didn't buy into it, but it gave me, yeah, it's been a real long time. It gave me the same vibes as the, CDL match in champs against Optic when we 250 to 71 them. Or was yeah. it 58 even? I think it was 58 
250 to 58 or something like that on Gavutu HP. Mm-hmm. After, you know, in the, in the pregame, our guys were like asked who the most overrated team is and they called out Optics specifically. And they come in with the crowd against them, you know, because it's oh, Optic. Yeah. And they just straight destroy them <laughs> so hard. Like, and you hear the crowd start cheering overrated. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like a minute and a half, two minutes into the match when it's clear that like they're not even like optics bodies are there, but their spirits are in the <laughs> underworld. They you know? exited the building. <clears throat> and it gave me the same kind of vibe. Finally getting those cheers going. I don't know what Chicago is going to be, but if you are going to Chicago, you better step your dang game up and cheer Agreed. for hundred thieves because we cannot let that happen. You know, those that fans were so know, annoying. No matter who we play, if we play C9, of course, C9 will have all the fans in the building. If we play TL, yes. There's, there really is no option for us to have the only thing that could have happened. If, if CLG shows up, Cole, everybody will be rooting for CLG. There is no remaining scenario where we have the, like, the home court advantage. You know, It's not going to happen. It never happens. It won't happen for us. If we show up in a final and it's us against FlyQuest or Dignitas and or Immortals. Why you got to pick on them? I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> they, and even that, they might have like the underdog, like, let's go FlyQuest, you know. Um, all these other orgs, they're just, they're, they're going to get, it's EG's going to be because they're the, the NA org. Yeah. CLG is going to be because they're the scrappy upstarts, you know, the, the, the academy talent. They're 100 Thieves under a different banner. Which makes it cool to like them, <laughs> apparently, for everyone else out there. You know, I, I, I get it, too. They're, like, the, they're the classic org, so people would be rooting for them, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's no, not going to happen. Go CLG, even though they didn't look too good. But, yeah, for sure. you're right. It's not going to happen. Right. No. So. Uh, unless they fly me out. Which I'm doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Because, like, that, that narrative is from the time when we weren't doing well at esports when we were unproven and we hadn't yet demonstrated that we are capable of winning literally everything we do um you know which is which is either where we are now or what we're on the precipice of right yeah like there's not a lot of boxes left to check here to to prove that we are clash royale (laughs) capable of doing everything That's the one that always got away. Look, we, it, it, we got to get re-enter Clash and win it before they completely deactivate that game. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> but that's my my point is, um, you're always going to have the other orgs picking up. Like if you're a TL fan and it's C900 Thieves, you know you're you're going for C9. You know it. But look, let me, not to belabor the. We're talking about this longer than I intended, but it's like, you know me and you've been around me at stuff like this. You know how small the LCS studio is. I am worth what? 200 fans on the opposing (laughs) team when it comes to cheering power. Yeah. You're one whole LCS arena worth of fans. I, if I'm not a whole one, I'm at least a half LCS arena. (laughs) 
I'm a I'm a one man crew there, man. I yeah. just they just need to get me out there. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the well, let's talk about someday now. Okay. <sighs> I messed up the whole organization of this podcast. I'm sorry, but we're just talking. Here. We're just just we're two just, just two girls talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday played Aatrox four times. Got a lot of Aatrox. Yeah. And ordinarily, that's what you do to a player who, you know, needs like a, a comfort champ or uh, a player yep. who needs like something that doesn't really just get outmatched or whatever. Someday, even in the losses, was so incredibly good at Aatrox. Like, I think this is going to go down as like the most underrated Aatrox performance in LCS history. Now he got player of the series, so it's not like he didn't get his flowers in it. Yeah. But I swear to you, his, his team fighting was like magic in this, the way he was, he was saving people from threats and zoning other threats virtually at the same time. Turning in a lot of damage, perfect positioning on the cues mm-hmm. for those sweet spots and stuff. That dude pops popped off so hard on Aatrox. I cannot believe it. And like you mentioned, the game two when like Whippo got the early lead or whatever. Yeah. And it literally did not become material to the game. It was just like yeah. he would someday he was so good. What on Aatrox. what where, when does that ever happen? That your Olaf starts 2 0 and your Aatrox starts 0 2 and they end up 4 and 2 and 2 and 4, right? Like, he, after the early game, he completely mothballed him. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we talked about, but like, he fought back from the long odds to be relevant in that game. There, there's no way he should have had a, a good performance in that game. That was nuts. He was so good. Like yeah. I like I hope people will go back and rewatch those games just to see the fights and see what someday did. Uh, like I just I can't believe there's such a balance between saving people and aggressive. Yeah. Like yeah. he just he just shouldn't be able to be everywhere like that. And he <laughs> certainly was. Um yeah, there were so many fights where it's like, oh no, I think we're we might lose this one. It's like Hold the phone. Someday is one v threeing on the backside of this fight and winning, and here he comes. You know? <laughs> or, or it's like we've got two carries with like ten HP, one yeah. auto away, and someday like dash cues to yeah. knock him up, then lands the chains after to pull him away, <laughs> make sure they can't finish off the kill. It's like, it's so incredible. And and they knew Team Liquid, by the way, they didn't make the mistake of like only sending two to someday when they wanted to kill him, right? They sent three, they sent four. Like they they, they knew yeah. that, that you can't only send two or else it's gonna be a one for one at best, right? Right. Uh so kudos to them for knowing that, but he just he was just was so good. I think like the game two turnaround a lot of that was due to how he played um was it revenge we had on the call for our games it yes, was right it was revenge 
And I thought it was cool to have a top laner watching that top lane. Which cool. is funny, right? Okay, so, well. Oh, gosh, Go, I, on the, I gotta do a moment of obviously someday does that champion justice. Whoever designed Aatrox is watching this series with a tear on their face. You know, just <laughs> once that the Q3 animation is one of the better things in the entire game. Mm-hmm. That it looks devastating. And it when it lands, so when you sweet spot people with that, it feels <laughs> yeah. so good. I just love it. so, man. Like those are the moments where I'm like, man, this game is is really say what you want about League, but like watching an Aatrox really going off in a fight is 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 crazy cool. And uh someday, you know, does it better than anybody. So shout out to the rework. Yeah. No, didn't they? I feel like they've done multiple. It took him a few tries to get into the spot, but he is there. He's, he's <laughs> in a good spot. Yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, I'm glad he got player of the series because even though Closer did, like, you know, win game five basically himself, um, yeah. someday over the course of the series, definitely, in my opinion, was the most valuable player. And he, you know, he's on quote Aatrox duty the whole time. Right, right, right. right. So, which top lane champion doesn't just turn into duty, by the way? Like, it feels <laughs> well, like that's just. Could say that about every top more on that later yeah yeah um but i did so good for him and then i wanted to call out just you know to put it on the record pastry times call for the end of game five one of the best i've heard in lcs yeah also will probably go tragically uh under appreciated like they released today the top 10 calls in lcs history and like half of them were like okay (laughs) you know (laughs) half of them were like i didn't even know this you know like it wasn't a very good list um but pastry times call was in hundred thieves they found the way the next name etched in stone in the greatest modern rivalry of the lcs is going to be a championship contending and world's qualifying hundred thieves and he like he said it with such like passion and everything it was so good and it was like it's like the only kind of call that that does justice to what that series just was because as you mentioned the team fights were just like for three yeah. games straight the team fights were unbelievable yeah and 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 so much was at stake because you know we talked about one one of these four teams is not going to worlds and if you get knocked out of this then guess yeah. what it's down to one of these two teams you know right. there's so there's so much at stake there's this rivalry that's been built over the years between us and team liquid pays your time just knocked it out of the park with that call. Yeah. And I can forgive yeah. him for all the times he says, make it happen in his play by play because that call was so freaking unreal and good. Yeah. So tip he, of the cap he, to pastry. Time. He's been one of my, he's probably been my favorite the last couple of years. Yeah. You, you've said that consistently. You're not a bandwagoner yeah. pastry time bandwagoner, no. like all these other people in chat. Hey, hey, we're we're an inclusive bunch. The more the merrier. Recognizing the patient, like my only interest here is that the LCS continues to lock him in for regular casting duty. So please, <laughs> please make it happen. Um, yeah, that was that was a really good call. Yeah, I had yeah. something else to say, but I forgot. That's <laughs> well, I yeah. just wanted to re- put that to record um, because it was very awesome, and I'm glad that it was awesome in our favor. For sure. Yeah. Oh. This was the thing. You mentioned that one of these two teams won't go to Worlds. Mm. It could be two of these two teams. 
they, they still have to get through two other teams to make it back. True. Uh, you know, if you subscribe to those two teams being able to win. Yeah, but it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> you have to, you have to check that box before you can yeah. play. Before you can even play for your right to be the last team to go. So yeah, this is a huge thing to make it at this stage in the playoffs. <laughs> you got to fight for your right to play in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's what they should rename this format. <laughs> uh, actually, that would be that would be kind of a sick uh, montage idea for like a promo. Yeah. For anyway. the next upcoming games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Jackson in chat, by the way. Um, okay. <laughs> so looking at the C9 EG series, I did want to talk about that quickly because it's, it's kind of demonstrating some weird things. I thought that the, that series emphasized more than anything else, just how much the playoff meta has like coalesced around botling, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and, and we saw this literally every series, our series too, you know, it's like what, like just, basically not explicitly funneling, but like trying to dump as many resources as you can into like a Zeri or a Sivir, you know, and just watching it go to town at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, That has been kind of the emerging meta and you're kind of living and dying by um, how good your botling is doing. Some exceptions when you have a rare talent like closer on the lease and okay, but for the most part, that seems to be what, what I'm seeing. I saw in this EGC nine series where Danny was not himself. Like we yeah. did not see this happening with Danny. Right. Uh, I don't know where the dominoes are in this, but if you watched the EGC nine series and came away like, yeah, C nine took down this really good EG squad. I don't think you really watched close enough. <laughs> EG did not play like themselves at all. Uh, inspired was like, I mean, I, he had a, he had one kind of okay game, but for the most part, it was like, I am livid that he's going to be the MVP because he is not doing a single thing in the, in these games. And maybe that's part of the problem for Danny. Like maybe he didn't catch enough support from inspired who was just completely, completely MIA during the series. But so I did not see this as, you know, C9 was able to topple this like unbeatable team. It was like, hey, the team didn't show up. It was kind of like us against EG in spring, right? We Mm -hmm. didn't really get off the bus for finals, unfortunately. Right. So, um, yeah, crazy. It is crazy. C9 at the same time is, is, is the ultimate beneficiary of this kind of meta, right? Because you got hyper aggressive jungler who is going to pick somebody, right? <laughs> Somebody's yep. going to get chosen by blabber, right? He can choose <laughs> berserker and berserker is insanely talented on the most meta champion. Right. Right. For it's like berserker Zeri, as we mentioned, is its own class, its own tier of play. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's frightening, right? So they've got the meta that just suits them super well at exactly the right time. Mm, where have we seen this before? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So 
it's like two two different facets of luck, yeah. right? You've got EG, very unlucky. They are slumping at the wrong time. Their MVP jungler doesn't, he's not even present for the games. Um, I always talk about father time, right? It's like you, you, it's so hard to be good for a long time, right? Yeah. Everybody's going to have that down period. EG's appears to be maybe right now. C9's well, the exact opposite. They're spiking and they have the meta. It's just, this is kind of like a weird, almost nightmare scenario for us. Yeah. And it's for us? A nightmare scenario for us? To face Berserker Zeri? Potentially? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to see that at all. Oh, we better either first pick Zeri or Bant. <laughs> I don't. FBI Zeri is not at the Berserker Zeri. I don't. It's know. not, but well, it's still it's still pretty good. <laughs> I mean, look, I have thoughts about that. People made a lot to do about EG and how they they made it through MSI and you know didn't slump. Yeah. yeah, didn't slump. Like we have talked so much this split specifically about the pattern we're starting to see with this team, where it's like, look, you don't have to show up every game at 100%. Because if you get first or second, the benefit is pretty comparable, right? Like, getting that buy, having one series to win to make Worlds, that is the real prize. The prize is not, you know, losing the bare, the, the smallest number of games possible in a split. If you're a records person and you want to chase that record, okay, more power to you. But, like, would you rather have a banner or would you rather be the most winning regular season team of all time? Right. You want a banner. You know, you want a banner. Um, and you'd also like to go to Worlds, right? So, okay, I guarantee you at some point they're going to question whether or not it was right to play at this S tier level all the way up until round two, if that's what we're calling the buy, right? You know, round two of the summer 22 playoffs where they dropped down to honestly what looked like a C, you know, like this wasn't even close to a shade of what they're capable of at their best. And I think we're the counterpoint to that. We're the team who's managed to peak at the right times. Obviously not every time because they got a trophy before, you know, out out of, out of our series. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more consistently we're, we're doing that. And, we now have back-to-back worlds appearances. We're in good position for the rest of the playoffs, et cetera. So I think it's a really interesting counterpoint to what we spent a lot of time talking about, which is, I think you have to be, you have to be smart about this. If you want to play the long game, if you don't want to just flame out and, you know, EG might not get to go to worlds, which would be a crazy disappointing thing for them after having gone to MSI middle of this year. Yeah. Cause so now the road is presumably going to be through TL. Yeah, you know, for them, and if the TL that played us plays EG, who knows? That TL wins that series. If if it's the same EG who played C9, there's no question. In my well, mind. if it's the same EG who plays C9, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Like they've got to bounce back real quick. They right. have. Know, Maybe they're days. just trying to get the losers bracket buff. You know? mm, it's I'll worked. See. It's worked for other teams before, don't we know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, Should so I just, take? huh? You said you have a lot of listener takes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna go there. Um, cool. We got a lot, and some of this stuff we've already talked about. So we're gonna 
we're going to be fast on these. So sorry guys, but we're going to just try and go. Um, so speaking of the, what happened for us when we went to losers bracket, uh, Mont, Oh gosh, Mont, I wish I had your other tweet up right now. Mont points out since Riot forgot to update the script from last year, we will lose to C9 and then three to owe them in finals. Uh, Mont was pointing out the similarities of like the like first seed missing worlds and like all this stuff. Like Mont had a two or three observations about how, yeah. you know, the script Fair is level. kind of the same and it's kind of yeah. interesting. May mean that we get a win if we lose to C9. So that's a comforting thought. Um, Joel said, we'll end up playing our best since the important task making worlds is complete and the guys can let loose. Hmm. No, I don't think the pressure's off. There is a certain pressure off, but yeah. I think we have players who, who care about their reputation within North America and they want to win in North America. They have unfinished business with EG. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? There's definitely unfinished business there. I don't think we, I honestly, it feels like we don't even really care about TL anymore. It's like, yeah, no TL, we beat you. Yes. That's what we do to you is we beat. But yeah. EG, I think there's like, yeah, we, we definitely lost our opportunity in spring back. I think these guys care about winning LCS. Right. For sure. For sure. And I like, you know, for, for Joel's take, you can both, it's kind of like you've got two big things you have to get done at the end of the day and you've, you've done one of them. So it's like you're, you can fully focus now on get the banner, right? That's, and I, I think we have at times, it feels like at times we have played better when we feel, it feels like, we're, like I think back to the, the worlds. Yeah. The worlds, the last time we, you know, the finals against TL, we just felt like we hit a different level. And I'm, I'll be interested to see if we can do that again now that the pressure of like, hey, man, don't mess this up because then you might lose everything. You know, it's like we've got a lot of it vaulted now. We're good. We can just play. We're playing with the house money at, at this point. Yeah, that's that's fair. I still I still want the dub and I think they want the dub, though. I think I think there's still going to be pressure. No, I, I'm, I'm sure they still want the dub. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if they approach it differently now that they don't have to worry about going on empty handed. Yeah. Um, Scotty Kulaga said, I feel like a big standout this playoffs has been meta picks versus comfort picks. Most notable example is the king. Uh, then this copied weird, but he's talking about closer on Lee Sin. But Buragon Zillion, Bwipo on set, and even throwing Zven on an ADC support referring to the Ash game. Mm. How important is it for teams to know the meta versus secret comfort picks? And as we mentioned before... <laughs> When it comes to elimination games, especially, it is incredibly important yeah. for you to know these these comfort picks. I mean, there's something. That's a good observation. Go ahead. I was just saying it's a good observation. Yeah, there's yeah. something about when teams play each other for five games where I think like the meta boils away by the end of it potentially, where you're just kind of like two fighters fighting. <laughs> you know, and so you right. you take what am I good at? It's like it's like you know you know that meme where they have the bell curve and like on one end it's like the the dumb guy yeah. and on one end it's the gigabrain guy and then the middle guy and the the dumb and the smart guy are saying the same thing and it's kind of like yeah. when you play um, bronze in like you know League right. of Legends or Valorant and you're in draft and it's like oh what do you what should I pick 
you know, is this good for our common whatever? It's like, dude, just play whatever you play. Yeah, right, right. You know? Yeah. I think I think that's what's going on now. Back to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the real dangerous threat, I mean, I think he's he's definitely noticed something which is accurate here, which is if you're good enough, I think the meta champs are always, it's always a longer list than people assume, right? And when I say meta, I mean the, the champions that you can play that aren't so detuned that they can't actually perform. Like there, there are definitely some of those at different times. It's just like they're they're kind of busted right now in the bad way. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I think that list is always longer. I think we saw that played out really well. And I think every once in a while you get the the Venn diagram just becomes a circle, and it's like both the meta and your comfort champs are it. And watch out. And I think that's like a berserker's area where you know this dude clearly is comfortable on the champ, and it's going to get some uh, some nudges with the you know toward the nerf side of the, the house later on here. Yeah. Um, Max Holiday said, which lane matchup will be the most dominant and which will we struggle the most with? So presumably asking about Cena. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think I'm looking at top lane. I think, I mean, Impact was definitely picked on by Fudge and I think As, someday can do this. Okay. So you think someday can do the same to Fudge? Oh, sorry. I was thinking about that the wrong way. Um, let it's me read. Late. Sorry about question. that. Yeah, or it's almost midnight. Um, I will still. I feel like somebody's actually bullied Fudge a lot this split, though. Is the thing I'm curious about on that. I think what happens is that I think Fudge tries to counterpick someday in the same ways, and I don't think it works. So I'll still look to top lane as, as it's it, it. It's probably the point of highest variability. I think mid lane is likely to just be a little bit safer, if anything. I don't think top lane's going to be safe. I think these guys are going to swing at each other. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's actually, it's hard to know these, I guess in which way, cause it's kind of the, the same answer, right? It's like, where do we, where are we good and where are they bad or whatever? I don't know. It's uh. anyway, I think um, I'm very interested in the Abadonga versus Jensen matchup because I think there is yep. some blood there of a type. Uh, between those two guys and Jensen's playing pretty dang well right now. Um, but so is Abadaga. Um, it will, I think that'll be a crucial matchup because what will Abadaga be playing? Will he get Ari basically every game? Ari Silas is like all he played this weekend. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe he'll get that. Maybe he won't. I don't know how it'll shake out. Um, I can see them trying to target Abadaga actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean they'll have they'll have a lot they they'll be ready with counters to both Ari and Silas. Yeah. And if he tries to go back to those, I think they'll 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 have something cooked yeah. up. So I uh, I'm looking at that as a potential struggle lane. Um, yeah. Because we're talking about like lane matchup. Otherwise, I would say obviously Berserker I think is where all the attention is going, but he probably won't turn on until you know after the lane phase. Um, so yeah, I'll probably, Abadaga is going to be an interesting one to watch. And then, yeah, I think like uh someday fudge might be mismatched in our favor. So, mm, nice. um, okay. David Shynock. I now ha- know how to say his last name. David nice. Shynock. Uh, says need a full reaction to the new summoner's cup. And you're not going to get a full reaction because you know, we're at an hour and a half deep into a podcast at midnight. Um, 
Do you want to go first or do you want me to take this one? Uh, I can go first. I agree with the the general sentiment that other reworks, I think the the one that people have been looking at the most is LCK. I don't know if I've seen the uh, uh, any of the others that have been remade. But the LCK one I know for sure. I thought they, that one looked really sharp, distinctive, while still being kind of understated. I think they might have tipped it too far towards the like minimalist um, slant. It just looks a little bit unassuming to me now, is my full reaction. That's kind of like a not a meme, but you know, it's like this kind of a thing right now is people criticizing minimalism. Yep. There've been really yep. viral Twitter threads about that and the design of buildings and industrial objects. And all Logos. That. Cool. Yep. Yep. And that's fair. Uh, but here's the problem. And this is when everybody's going to get mad at me. Okay. okay. I'm, about to, I'm about to say something that you guys are not going to like. <laughs> all right. But, uh, now if you know this, but league of legends is a game for nerds. All right. Wow. Some of the, some of the nerds playing League of Legends don't necessarily have the best visual taste, in my opinion. Uh, uh-huh. A lot of people like defending the actual design difference between the two. It's kind of crazy to me. Like it looks the old the old one. It's like all like all got all these like curved edges, bubbly looking. Like it looks like kind of like a Zerg artifact for Sargrav. <laughs> Kind of like a fantasy object, you know, and it's just a little too much. We need to bring it down to earth, nerds. All right. Let's let's all bring it down to earth a bit with the look. And and in that respect, in my opinion, it's a drastic improvement. But I I do understand a lot of people arguing about the 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 like it doesn't feel the same. Like the old cup has such this iconic look to it, and that's correct obviously. And part of the reason it's correct is because it has had a lot of time. Okay. Your brain is not like a difficult thing to hack. And when your brain spends a lot of time with something, you get used to the new design and you start to like it more because you realize it's actually better. That's, that's how redesigns work, right? If, if someone sticks to a redesign for long enough, as long as it's not like the angry eyebrows or whatever that weird org did that one time, uh, it you'll you know you'll get used to it and with time it will become iconic to you like the other stuff now there is i mean this is like a partnerships thing this is a revenue driver thing you know they made a deal and it's a cool deal with tiffany's um there are aspects of the design that are cool and inventive and like i like the five positions on it and whatever um but I don't think it's like a a world changing great design for it. I just think the old one looks like, you know, something that a 24 year old dude (laughs) has in his apartment, you know? And I'm like, I'm just not as drawn to that. So sorry, everybody. I know everybody. I didn't realize it was, it's actually a partnership thing. I didn't realize that. Yeah. They designed it in conjunction with Tiffany's as like a promo thing. So. Anyway, that's all I'll say about it. And then, sorry, because I know I offended it. Um, Glenn E. Taylor asked, since the TL match went five games, do you think the drafts shown were just the tip of the iceberg slash specifically crafted for TL or that 100 Thieves has shown all their cards and looks? So it's basically like, did we like pull, yeah. do the kitchen sink drafts with Team Liquid or did we just do what we prepared for them or we only shared you know, a subset of our available options. 
I think in a, a five-game series, I don't think you hold anything back, especially when the stakes are as high as they are. You know, um, so no. I mean, do I think we'll see different looks against C9? Yeah, I do. But I don't think this was us just being very like, we're going 60% because we're going to save that last 40% for the finals, you know, or whatever the next round is. Um, I think we tried hard. We have, we even have Papa Smithy here to give us the intel on this in chat. He says, we know what they prioritize and what they prefer to play. So we picked to beat our opponent and beat our opponent. We did. And probably learned Correct. a couple things along the way too. Um, yeah, I think I'm sure that there are more things coming, but I, I agree. It's like, yeah, we, we did what we had to do to beat them. Um, right. there was nothing really crazy about it. I mean, game five, like we said, like closer <laughs> playing Lee Sin is not a secret pick. <laughs> You shouldn't know, be to, to anyone be but Team Liquid, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm sure we'll we'll get a little bit of difference, especially maybe in the mid lane. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. Curly QQ from Flight Check Crew. We are so sorry, by the way, that you guys uh, had your your playoff run ended, but we love you dearly. He said, "No take. Just want to thank you for avenging FlyQuest against Team Liquid and ask." That you do it against TSM too if they make it far. Sure. Happily. So yes, we will happily oblige. I don't think TSM is going to make it far enough, so I don't think we'll worry about that. Yeah. But we at least uh, we at least said that. Um, Papa Smithy pointing out that Team Liquid don't play Enchanters, so Yumi stays open, etc. Hmm. Additional intel, and we thank the Papa for doing that. Um, Nick Moore asked, or actually observed. He said, I would be a lot more scared of TL Mercedes than I am of TL Honda. <laughs> so, we missed so many chances to call him TL Honda today, dude. What is wrong? I, Team Liquid Honda. We'll have to remember to do that. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder, I, Nick. It's only, that's what they would like us to do. That's their naming right. They, you know, they're getting good, good money for people to kind of say that name. So, um, Squizomatic says, with the MVP Busio and then Sniper getting the Travis interview, 100T is set up the best to compete long-term. Thinking two years from now, the roster of Sniper, Closer, Abadaga, FBI, Busio is crazy. We would have the best native duo and are set to compete for the next five years at least. So, yes, obviously we're doing an insane job of developing talent. We've talked about this a bunch it's hard for me to imagine that we're able to hold on to every for that. I don't know what the plan is, but you gotta, you gotta know teams are coming calling for Busio and it will be a tough um, decision on what to do. Cause who he is also playing extremely well. For. Yep. Yeah. That's a complicated one. And I hate, I that's- legit hate talking about it. I yeah. hate it. I don't, <laughs> I love our current guys. And I know we have insane talent in the tubes. I, I just don't. I love our guys. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I almost want to just, I feel like that's, that's a conversation that you can really immerse yourself in in the offseason. You know? And I, this is not to say like, so, so stop talking about it. Stop studying questions. Yeah, right. Yes. Like, it, yeah, I don't mean to do that. Super to talk about. But I just, we are, we have the privilege of being in a position where we don't need to like, we're not speculating whether or not these one of these players could be the one to finally win us a title. Like if we make a change, 
like it's so nice that we just get to cruise control basically with this this exact roster we have at at the very least until the end of worlds that feels great yeah and i want to i want to savor that because it's such a rare thing for us to be able to enjoy and then we can go deep on what do you think is it time what do we do you know just think of that uh quote from Andy from the office where it's like, how do you, you know, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good times before they're over. There you go. These are there the good go. times. These are the good times. Yeah. So probably many more to come as well. Uh, yeah. Let's call him. Gabe says someday has played 10 splits with hunter thieves tied third, most tenured with one team across the LCS and points out Bjergsen with TSM was 14 splits. Sneaky was 13 with C9 and six day 10 with CLG says he is a rare, rare talent. Give him the bag. <laughs> I mean, he he uh, he continues to win accolades and play unbelievable series. So yeah, I don't think there's any any point uh, which we'd say is this his someday. best split he's played for us. Honestly, probably yeah. It probably is from a consistency standpoint. He's yeah. been so good. Total value delivered for- to the team. This this yeah. probably is the best split he's ever had for Hunter Thieves across his long he's and storied. Still so good. He's still so good. Yeah. But alas, contract ends November 22nd. We shall see. I love him. We will. Uh, Just Ryan says, so with how strong our performance has been this year, do we still look to play some, <laughs> do we still look to play some of the Academy boys going into next year? And if not, uh, what needs to happen to make that next change? Can I vote present? <laughs> abstain yeah <laughs> i don't know what, what what do you have for this do we still look to to play some of them like do we still look to move them up i think he's saying do we consider yeah moving them up for spring um i don't know i mean i think for me i'll just i'll keep hitting this point it really now that we are officially invited to worlds hooray i really want to see how we do a world and if the answer is better than last time you're gonna have a really hard time convincing me that now is the time to make that switch. You know, it's just if if the the trajectory is still upward, like let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, like let's not fix what's not broken here. There is a comforting thought, and that is the track record for identifying talent over the last few years, <laughs> over the last Papa Smithy years. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking at you know the guys that are on CLG. Um, you're looking at Kenvi, who I think started to like have more success towards the end of this split. And obviously he's in a very rough situation. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, Busio and tenacity and everything. It's like, well, part of me is like, well, you, you only hit once or twice on these prospects. I was like, ah, we're kind of hitting very frequently with this. So if, you know, if we do make a, a decision that doesn't pan out, then probably we'll, you know, have something else to go to. Yeah. The, the easy decision is to make a change once you start doing badly, right? The harder decision, and the one that's actually much more valuable to make, is to make a change before you begin the decline, right? The Bill that, Belichick, the reason, part the reason, yeah. Part of the reason it's hard is um, you people will doubt you because they'll say what I just said, which is, why are you fixing what's not broken? But you have more data, one. And you, you kind of want to keep that. It's like you, you, it's much harder to build back momentum than to keep it going. 
Yeah. So it's it's not an easy question, and there will be no easy answer. So we'll have plenty to talk about in the offseason. Yeah, and again, just um, some Papa Smithy comments. He says, we will always keep the best for us and start them. Otherwise, what's the point? So Yeah. Okay. Um, let's... Uh, We've got three more. Let's do two of them very quickly. And then there's one that's a little longer, but it's kind of cool. And so I wanted to talk about it. Um, Karlski says, how do you think the drafts will go to the rest of the playoffs? Do you think they will stay standard to us or see some surprise picks? I think we'll have to change things a bit, but it will be with flex picks like Silas or Akali that can be played top and mid. Keep the other team guessing rather than totally surprising them. So Karlski's thesis is that we're going to start the variation that will come in the draft is coming through flexing. Do we agree with that? Um, I mean, sure, it's always possible to flex things around, but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of flexing going on. Um, we haven't seen, have we seen a single game of like closer Sejuani or a comp built around that? I'm not advocating for it because I actually don't like it, but have we seen that? Yeah, I don't know. I think so, right? So while you're, while you're doing a little looking out, what I'll say is he hasn't played it. yeah, I think it's more likely that we have other full looks that we haven't brought, and maybe partially to what Pop is saying, you know, things that will work better against the strengths of a team like C9 than would have worked against TL. So I think it's more likely that we'll see just a kind of a different look altogether. And I feel like we've seen some of those throughout the course of the split that we have we didn't see in the series. So there is reason to think that we have other looks ready to go. Um, the the thing that about flexing is that I think is a little trickier is some of the champs that are very flexible right now are pretty easily punished if you're playing against somebody who is kind of top tier, right? Well, that's like why you, I brought up the Sejuani, right? Like that's one of the flex yeah. picks between jungle and top, right? Right. Or even like an Akali, like you you have got to be pretty sure of yourself to to run an Akali into somebody who could punish an Akali severely if it's not executed perfectly. Right. So it's just like, there's higher ro- risk for those two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, your boy graph says C9 is the only NA team to make it out of groups and do well. Recently, they came through the play in stage at worlds. Would you rather hundred T finish third to get extra games at worlds? Or do you think that that would even make a difference? I think less of a difference since we, since this, I guess there's two ways to look at this. One is like, hey, if you are playing with a, a roster that is light on world's experience, um, then maybe that extra practice is good. And or do you need more time to acclimate to the world's patch, right? So both of those things can be a benefit of playing in the play-ins for sure. I think that since we've had, you know, this roster being at world's last year won't help at all with this year's world patch. But I do think they're going to they're, they're gonna have to like, Think about traditional sports, you know, when we would go to the big tournaments and stuff. If you've never been to the big tournament, you almost need time to acclimate to the rhythms of it. Like, hey, what's the warm-up schedule looking like? How do I find where I'm going? Like it's all very that real, stuff. yeah. Yeah, so I think it helps a lot that we have been through this once before. Um, so I'd say it's probably less important for us, maybe than other teams even, that we get that extra time and plans. Yeah, plus I'm not trading an LCS title for anything. Yes. I want the LCS titles. I've talked about that. Like, yeah, world success. Cool. We can strive for that. Um, give me LCS titles, man. 
for sure. That's, I agree. that's something that's definitely in reach that gives genuine like reputation and clout and memories, you know? So yeah, keep winning. I, I'll take that every time. Okay. So the last thing, like I said, this is just kind of interesting point and I, I wanted to make sure we gave a little bit of attention to it. Sorry. We're going so long, everybody. Um, innuendo says the broadcast around LCS talks about individual games of league of legends, like football broadcasters talk about game super high importance is put on each game and the results and lessons. The LCS should report on the games more like NBA or baseball broadcasts where game by game, the results really don't matter, but streaks trends and overall team trajectory matters much more. The over-focus on best-of-one games is, in my opinion, a major driving factor in the negativity in the scene and the burnout players report feeling throughout the season. It would be like after every drive in a football game if the QB was interviewed about how they felt about that drive and what it <laughs> meant for their season. Just like a sack on first down can kill a drive, a lost skirmish at level 5 can cost a game. Broadcast needs to own toning down the myopic focus on game by game variance. Dude, this thesis written to you, this is a very well thought out take. My goodness. Yeah. This uh, is cool. That last sentence is I think that's that's what it boils down to. I think this split has been a really good example of that. And it feels like the the broadcast has started to realize that in some ways because of how we've ended up performing. And how at the middle of this split, I think everybody had written us off. And they're just like, oh, this team doesn't matter. We can, we, can, we can basically stop looking at them as we do our story meetings and all this other stuff because clearly they're a lost cause. And then we show up and it's like you, it, the, the change in tone and how the, like, yeah. So it's noticeable that they've done that. I think this, the solve is not that they are identifying and then changing the way they talk about teams based on it, what their actual performance and trajectory is. And that they start to get to just zoom out a little bit, like less myopic, be have a, a longer term view of these things. And they will allow you to, to identify and uncover more interesting storylines for teams that otherwise you just say, well, they've lost two out of their last five games. So surely they're out of contention, you know? Yeah. Like, Immortals was a good example of that for a while, right? Where like this season, it looked like there was a point where they started playing significantly better and yeah. it didn't actually pan out. Like it didn't, they didn't actually get over the hump, but for a while, for those paying attention, it was kind of interesting. They gave us a little bit of a scare. They gave EG a major scare in the same weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, like that stuff can go under noticed, under reported, you know, if you're looking at things the wrong, the wrong way, um, continuing on in innuendo's analogy, you know, you again, another LeBron thing, but how often LeBron teams would slump regular season while they figured out their rotations and their, you know, yeah. their lineups and stuff and then get locked in by playoff time, you know? And so, because you know, I followed that very closely, and so I would listen to podcasts talk about like, okay, you know, the Lakers are right at five hundred right now, but where are they going to be when postseason comes? It's like, well, you know, they're going to figure out this and that, so I expect them, to, you know. So it's like they know yeah, right, that there's right. just this measured difference because of what 
processes are happening inside the team as things go along. So the the problem with this, which I love this take, by the way. Yeah. I'm all in on it. Um, the problem with this, though, is it requires a lot of effort from <laughs> the analysts and podcasters and whatever. Like it requires a lot of effort to go dig up those nuggets of information and focus on the right things and draw attention to them as you go. And as you and I have kind of said on the pod, it feels like most of the discussion that's in the scene right now is coming from people who are just watching like what people are saying and then repeating it. And it's like, they're not doing any, uh, any proactive analysis. They're not putting forth many original thoughts. It's basically just like, Oh yeah, well it looks like they're good cause their record's good. You know, and, and they're not digging for stories. And and maybe when teams had more resources to put into their promotion and marketing and team docuseries and stuff like that, they were highlighting those stories, like the heist, you know, telling the internal team story and kind of the player background stories. They were telling those actively. And then they, you know, the people on the desk were watching it and, and reacting to it. And you know what I mean? Like, that narrative was being given to them and maybe they got a little too used to that. So now when teams aren't doing as much of that, it's harder for them to find what the true story is because they have to pay attention to the whole scene. They can't focus narrowly on one team very easily, which is why, like I said, you need beat people. Like clearly we are not the right people for this kind of thing, right? This is you and I have other jobs. We do this for fun. This is all just, you know, to meme and whatever. But it would be awesome if somehow it was economically feasible to have journalists covering teams uh, as a beat, you know, and and specifically paying attention to a team or a player or something. The reporting is just so much more robust that way. The narratives are so much more robust. And then you can focus on these general things with a lot more information. And that's how I wish things would be. I recognize there are not the resources for this, but yeah. Hey, one thing that I thought of is uh, the, I don't know that we've brought this up and I haven't heard anybody else say it, but I do wonder if this, how much this contributes to the, the, the way that both teams are talked about games, quality, all of these different things we are an outlier, right? We are a team that has stayed together. You know, I, I, at different times we've asked how often this happens. I feel like we've, we've hypothesized that the answer is probably never, you know, <laughs> like that. I don't know if it's actually never, yeah, literally never, but certainly it is, it is unusual for a, a roster to ma- like maintain the same players from split to split. As certainly as long as we have, um, if, if you are somebody who is trying to make sense of this league and you are dealing with teams that are as highly variable, I mean, TSM is an extreme example, but not so extreme, right? Where they've made multiple roster changes throughout the course of one split. You know, I think it, it almost forces you to, you would be kind of foolish to assume 
that what has happened at TSM two years ago, a split ago, is indicative in any way about what you could expect them to do next week. Right. Right. So I think both the the org and the way that the orgs and the way that they've constructed rosters over time has made it so that you really there's no there's no value in you know pulling from because we've done that a lot this year we've said hey look it might be that this team has this thing that they do that we don't typically see teams do and and so people are they're surprised when we're able to play good again after playing bad yeah and maybe that's because for throughout most of the course of the league's history teams that have played badly get blown up you know and even the teams that play really well get blown up yeah so i mean maybe that's part of it right where it's just like you you can't even comprehend how a team could play badly and then be given the opportunity to to get back to the past heights and performance they accomplished so you know, it's probably all of these things swirling into one, um, multiplied by the, the different things we're talking about, right? Just the way that they tend to do this. I know we're, we're kind of going on about this. The other thing I have to say is, have you ever heard anybody in the NFL talk about the challenge of, like, there are few games played and it's best of one format? Is that a thing at all in mm-hmm. any other in the NFL, they talk about that. So not in regular season, but in playoffs because they're playing best of one playoff games. Right. right? And, and so it's like any team can win at any time. Right. Is always a yeah. thing. And, and that's why I talk about like winning the Super Bowl is actually like an insanely hard thing to do because yeah. of that. It's like, it doesn't matter if you go, you know, 17 and zero in the regular season. Right. Right. Because if you play bad for one week against the wrong team, all yeah. of that doesn't matter. Like none of it. So they talk about the stakes of that a lot. Now I don't really hear them talk about that much during regular season, but also, you know, you can think of it as they do like pseudo round robins, right? Cause you play teams in your division and your right. conference, like more than other teams. So you do get repeated games against, you know, certain teams, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Well, super interesting take. All of these things are, are for sure factors in it um it's it's fun to think that our team is actually forcing people to reconsider how they even think about narratives in the league yeah well when you're good that stuff can happen that's right and i'm glad we're good are we good enough to take down c9 jordan that's the final question of the podcast what's your prediction for our series on saturday against our uh, our boys c9 yeah, I think we're good enough to beat him. I think we we take it. I'm gonna say we take it three one. And I think it's in part because I, I think that I don't anticipate we'll play as poorly as EG did. I don't think you know. I don't think we're gonna have as much of a drop off from where we're at this past weekend to where we are next weekend. I don't think that's likely. Um, and you know, look, I think C9 is improving, but I I think that. Uh, I think we were, we have been a better team than them this, this split. I think we'll, we, and I think we saw. So I really want 
to say that irrational confidence nerf is going to happen to them and we're going to 3-0 them. Ooh. My only hesitation is that... Um, oh, wait, no, no, no. We dropped our first game of the the round robin. We, first round robin, we lost C9. 3-0. We're going to beat them 3-0. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I think we're going to beat them 3-0. I think they are going to be irrationally confident about their performance because EG didn't get off the bus, like I said. So um, I think they're going to be surprised. It will take a lot for me to be like, yeah, no, I think we're going to actually lose to C9. They, they have to overachieve by so much to make it. Berserker is the wild card. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Berserker is legit. So good that, that things can happen with him. But I'm not worried elsewhere. Even Jensen, right? Jensen is not Abadaga, and I know how many people are going to be infuriated by that outside of our community. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just don't. And I think like part of it, we may we may have we may have gotten a bit of our chip back, chip on the shoulder back after this weekend because even though we did get the win, it people are discrediting it and people are overhyping C9. And like, you know, this is, it's not to the same level as TL, but these are some players that I think there are personal things with, right? Like, especially Abadaga yeah. Jensen, Blabber Closer is a thing, you know, like, I, like, I just think, I just think we're better and it's going to show. I think our guys really want to win this thing. So yep. I'm going to call the 3-0, 3-0 over. Nice. Love it. I, I love when we both pick a, a pretty decisive win. Makes me feel confident. <laughs> All right. Well, so we will see everybody after we uh, lock in grand finals in Chicago. Gosh, would it be useful to lose so that we have to go losers bracket and get the buff? Man, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe maybe oh. this series was close enough to like you know just keep our our keep us on our toes. You know, this is the this is the split that we break that requirement for us you know let's go. go straight through let's go straight through straight through to win yep. all right Whew, that was a long hundred talk but thanks everybody for Mar- being here for it uh special shout out to jordan who's doing this while he's traveling and is up in a borrowed strange person's uh sunroom that he knocked on their door earlier for they they haven't noticed him out here yet but it's probably gonna happen soon so i should probably get going yeah all right um <laughs> We'll talk about Thursday and let you know what's happening. Uh, I think there was... Oh, I think it's... I don't know how else to do this other than it came. Wow, you got it? It came. (laughs) Where'd you find it? On eBay. So, so yes, I have deemed this an authentic item from San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know what it means. There is a Uh, Marvel thing. There's a... It says Marvel presented by Whatnot, so I'll have to look up what Whatnot is, and it's signed by Israel Silva, who is uh, an artist that works on Marvel. Nice. What does it mean? I'm sure we will know eventually. Yeah. Well, it's. I don't think anybody. it's just a one-off Marvel Times Hundred Thieves. Here's a picture. You know, it's like yeah. oh, there's got to be something coming. Maybe it's left over from Damien's time with us, since Damien has like a very strong Marvel connection. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but it's real. That's yeah. all I'll say. Well, yeah really yours now 
So there you go. Yeah, actually, so I'll say this. It's mine now. I don't think it's going to be for long. I think we're going to give this thing away. So, oh, you know, I don't care about Marvel at all. So yeah. I got it for sure. you guys. Uh, so stick around. And at some point, we'll let you know how we're going to be giving this thing away. But yeah, so cool. There's a World Jersey coming. Nade Shot confirmed, by the way. So we'll see ooh, that ooh. whenever it's teased. Oh, get... boy. Yeah. Hopefully it's kind of different. Or, or hopefully it harkens back to the baseball jersey days. Who knows? Oh, boy. Who knows? Probably can't. Probably Riot won't know it, I'm sure. Anyway, that's 100 Talk for tonight. The two-hour special. Guys, like we always say, we love you. Miss you already. Wow.